bitch, you need to hear this. Hello, hello, and welcome to the bitchiest podcast in all of the land. Bitch, you need to hear this. And I am your bitchiest host, Katie P. And I'm back this week with another lovely lady and her lovely story. This week, I'm really excited. This is a really unique story that I haven't had the chance to really share anything like it on the show thus far. And so I'm hoping that it will be just a fun one this week because it is so different. And I can't wait to introduce you all to my guest this week. She is super passionate about the idea of women needing to fill their cup first and really find out who they are at their core. And as my loyal listeners know, that is such a huge part of what this platform is all about and why I created it in the first place. So I'm really excited to introduce you all. My guest's name today is Isabel Drawn, and she is going to tell us about her story starting all the way back as a young girl in Africa, and her own journey and her own personal growth journey has led to her work helping women like you and I heal, find their voice, and empower them. Welcome, Isabel, to Bitch, You Need to Hear This. Well, thank you for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, it's just, I, I love getting to connect with people all over the place. Where do you live now? I'm in Chicago, Illinois. Nice. I used to live in Chicago. I lived there for three years. So how long have you been in Chicago area? I'd say about eight years now. Okay, yeah. yeah. Love it. Love to connect with people that are also in the Midwest. They yeah. say Midwest is best. I love it. So you've been in Chicago for eight years. Where were you before that? Prior to that, my family and I lived in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio. So we owned a business there. I'm an entrepreneur for two decades now. My husband and I own a business, a construction business that I'm a co-founder of. It's Physics Design Studio. So we did that in Ohio where we do outdoor living spaces and outdoor kitchens and all that good stuff for the outdoors. And yeah, after Chicago, after Ohio is when we moved to Chicago. Awesome. Okay. So really you've been in the Midwest for a minute. I love Midwest for a minute. Even when I came, when I first came to the U.S. for school, I I went straight to Ohio. So I have been in the Midwest. (laughs) Did you go to Ohio State? No, I went to Audubon. Audubon. Okay. As long as you're not from the Ohio State, I guess me as a Michigander can talk. Everybody knows the, the Ohio State. Yeah. So I went to Audubon College in Westerville. And then I went to Ohio Dominican College. I completed my degree at Ohio Dominican. So these are two, they're two private colleges. So they're not that big. Awesome. (laughs) And so did you come over here like for like undergrad right when you were 18 or how old were you when you came over for school? Oh my goodness. That's a good point. Yeah. I came here for school. I actually came at the age of 18. You're correct. And I remember my dad, cause I graduated early from high school. Cause I think we get out of, we start school earlier in Africa. Where in Africa were you from? Did you grow up in? Tanzania. My dad Tanzania. is from Tanzania. My mom is from Zambia. I've lived in different countries in Africa. I lived a nomadic life. My dad was a diplomat. So wow. I was blessed to be able to travel and live in several different countries and being able to connect and be around different wow. people has been an amazing experience. Yeah. So my dad is from Tanzania. My mom is from 
Zambia, but all my life we didn't just we didn't live in Tanzania. We used to go there for holidays, but we lived in other countries in Africa because he used to travel being a diplomat. Was he a diplomat like for the government in Tanzania? Like, was that where he was based out of? He was diplomat for OAU, which is the Organization of African Unity. My family, because my dad traveled a lot with him being a diplomat, went to boarding school. So I went to boarding school at the age of eight. I went to Kenya. In in Kenya? Kenya. Yeah. Wow. And how many years were you there? I was in Kenya for most of my high school. That's where I actually finished my high school. I was in Nairobi, Kenya. But I went to school in different countries like Uganda, Zambia. Yeah. Tell us about your upbringing like, and what it's like living in, in in Africa. Like, honestly, I don't think I've ever met anyone that's from Africa, to be honest. Like, I mean, I have, but not like in not in this container. To be like, yeah. tell me about your childhood. Yeah. Uh, my child was pretty much like everybody else's childhood, right? Of course, mine was different because of the circumstances that with my right. dad being, having the opportunity to be able to travel different countries and live in different places. But Primarily, we went to boarding school, and so we were there for a few months, and then we come back home for the holidays, and then Mm -hmm. go again for a few months, and I speak several languages because we lived in different countries, so that's exciting. And also, I have friends from so many different countries because we grew up together, went to school together, but it's pretty much just like here. So were you experiencing, because you were in so many different countries throughout your childhood, did you experience a lot of different like socioeconomic statuses just because you were in so many different places? I always tell people that I'm grateful for my life because I'm comfortable in a penthouse and I'm comfortable sleeping on the floor and I'm grateful for that. It's got to be just such an incredible range. I mean, now you're in Naperville. Like that's a pretty classy area versus I'm sure some of the things that you saw when you were a kid. So that's super unique. And when you think, and, and to be honest with you, so like you're saying Naperville with Naperville being a classy area in areas like Naperville, it's kind of like the areas that I grew up in. So like you say, not being from Africa, a lot of people have this perception of what they're seeing on TV and think that that's what it looks like. But when you sit and have conversations with people like, okay, no, I didn't grow up like that. I actually grew up with a maid. I had a driver. They're like, what? That happened in Africa? Yeah. I mean, to the point where when my father rests his soul, he came to visit me here and he, he looked at me, he said, so you left home to come to America to be a maid? I said, why do you spend money? He said, since I've been here, you, you clean, you cook, you do this. So yeah, just a yeah. vast range, right? I've experienced a vast range. And like you were saying, Naperville, most people think, oh, she's from Africa. I grew up totally different, totally different, blessed. I grew up relatively privileged as well. And I'm so grateful yeah. for that. And, yeah. you know, but I think but you know, my, my dad did not. And so I had like, didn't grow up privileged. I mean, and so I had like this really cool exposure to all different kinds of walks of life. And and even like where I lived, like growing up in the Metro Detroit area was just such a melting pot of Mm -hmm. different types of people from all types of walks of life. I think it just gave me a really more of a well-rounded perspective than I would have had being very privileged. Right. Yes. And then it allows you to accept people for who they are and you get excited Mm -hmm. about meeting people who don't look like you, who have different Mm -hmm. languages. So I'll give you a perfect example. Like I, I teach my children my husband always laughs at me, like when we go to different like stores, maybe if maybe they're Arabic or if they're African, if they're Arabic, I'll be like, well, salam alaikum. Or if they're African and they have a, la- a different language, of course, for mine, because Africa has different languages. Right. I would say hi. He's like, how do you do that? 
And it's interesting. I always feel like I teach my kids now, do your best to learn how to say hi in somebody else's language. They say, why? Because when you do that, the wall comes down. You see them. So that's one yeah. of the things that, has t- that, that I learned as a little child, just valuing other yeah. people because I've seen different people. I've, I've seen diplomats. I've sat on tables with diplomats. And I've also yeah. sat on the floor with other people. And to give credit to my late mom who raised me, she always used to tell us this. She said, make sure you pay attention to the people who take care of you because those dignitaries and the diplomats, when something happens in your life, they're not the ones who are going to be there for you. It's the people who are taking care of you every day. So I've always grown up with that. When we travel, we went to Punta Cana with my husband, his and we're leaving, the people that were serving, everybody came to say bye. He's like, this is crazy. Why is it everywhere we go, you gravitate to people who are serving? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I really enjoy that company better than any other yes. company. They're just authentic. They're who they are. You're right. I yes. don't judge them because they're cleaning or they're taking out the trash. I just see them for who they are. And, and I- I talked to my dad about that because I was saying my dad didn't grow up very privileged, but he was very successful in his career. Yeah. And so he's had all these really cool opportunities to meet all kinds of people. And he can, has been invited to tables where he can sit with very powerful, successful mm-hmm. individuals. And he was a member of like a, like a country club, athletic club that's in Detroit. And yeah. he was, it's, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's a process to get into this club. It's a lot of like applications and stuff. And he actually got rid of his membership not that long ago. He goes, honestly, I had more time, I had more fun talking to the staff there than I did yes. any of the other members. And mm-hmm. I just related to them more. And he's like, I don't know if it's because of my upbringing or whatever, but exactly what you said, like, they're just real. They don't have this like snooty, judgy way. Like they're just normal people. And I like connecting with authentic people. Right. And just like what yeah. you said, my father, he didn't grow up privileged. Actually, my father used to look after cows. Oh, so wow. Even get where he was at. Like that's that's when I sit back and think about that, the tenacity, the courage, what mm-hmm. it had to take to yeah. grow up in a village and your trajectory of your life was you taking care of cows. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm not knocking anybody, but just to see where he came from, to be able to yeah. travel the world yes. and take his family around the world. I always look at it. He was not a perfect father. There's no perfection with any of us. But when I sit back and think about it, I'm so grateful because he made me the person that I am today, right? I see people for who they are. Absolutely. And I, that's just so, so incredibly important. And I also want to highlight what you said about traveling the world. I've been blessed to be able to travel the world as well. And I, what I learned in my being abroad is that so many people from the U.S. don't Mm -hmm. value that in the way that people around the world do, of people from other cultures, of other backgrounds, of anything outside of mainstream U.S. culture. It's sad, to be honest with you, but now with social media, I see that a lot of people are actually expanding and then they're traveling. 
And the thing about it is that in the U.S., people are like, we don't have to go anywhere. We have everything in the U.S. <laughs> I mean, you meet people from Ohio who have never left Ohio, right? And for me, literally, like, oh, I oh. mean, literally, I know, I know so many people that have never been on a plane, that have never been out of the country. But there's so much to learn. You can't get that from a classroom. You mm -hmm. can't get that experience from a book. You have to experience it. You have to experience humanity. You have mm -hmm. to experience the different people in this world. Because not only are you just experiencing the other people, it actually lights a fire inside of you, right? Absolutely. For you to start seeing yourself through other people. Then you start to learn and appreciate people for who they are, not just be in this box of, we're in the U.S., this is who we are, and we don't want to care about nobody else, and we want to see anybody else. It is so profound. I took, my family and I went to Tanzania in December. I've been married for 20 years. My husband is American. He has never been to Tanzania. So finally, I've been praying for so many years, like, God, we owned a business. We started young. So as we're raising kids with the business, so, you know, one day you have money and the next day you don't. So we never had that opportunity to say, oh, maybe we did. We just didn't know how to do it, handle it financial-wise. Who knows? But anyway, so I had been praying for years. And finally, in December, I said, you know what? Let's go home. And I took my family home. It was so good. I mean, they loved the experience. They enjoyed everything about it to the point where the second day when we got there, my husband looked at me and he said, now I understand who you are. Wow. Isn't that mm -hmm. so, so it's like so powerful and mm -hmm. to see where, especially for your husband to see where you grew, not where you yeah, grew up because you're all over the place, but where you came from. Right. My husband you and know? my kids. And one of the bigs, one of the reasons too, that I did that, that it was important for my children to understand too, the other side of where they're from, right? Mm -hmm. The African side of where they're from. And I wanted them to also understand that they're not only American, they have this rich side, like the American side, which is the African side. And if I can be vulnerable and honest, one of the biggest things is I wanted them to experience being in a space where they can go to bed at night, wake up in the morning. They don't have to think that they're black or somebody reminds them of them being black. Yes. They just see. And that's what yeah. happened. They were able to just be. Yes. And that's, I think that's, that's a really, I appreciate you being vulnerable because I think that's a really unique perspective. I, as far, not as far as for my listenership, because mm -hmm. so many, my listenership are American. So for yeah. my American, like my black American female listeners, it's like, they have like that they wake up with that every single day Absolutely. and i'm sure most of them aren't actually african or have never been yeah. to africa yeah, yeah and have no idea what that's like mm -hmm. and no one even talks about that even being a possibility like i mean that's that it's not even something in the us that that is a possibility anywhere you go so mm -hmm. did you talk to your kids about that is that something that they like shared kind of like an ex that experience no, about it because i've lived here long enough right so yeah. i'm an african american call me whatever i'm human right humanity but i've lived here so long america is really it's it's my home i'm married here i have my kids but obviously yeah. the experiences, right? I see what my kids experience. I see the climate here or what it looks like. I've been living it for the past 20 years. And I just mm -hmm. wanted my kids and just my family to understand that there is more to who they've been told they are 
here in the U.S., there is yeah. more to them. And I yes. wanted them to see that. To get your African side and get your American side and merge those together and be that powerhouse that you are. Yeah. So important but, yeah. in understanding your identity, right? To be able to live authentically in your identity, you have to understand it and yes. see it for what it is. And what a powerful educational experience that, like you said, you can't get that in a classroom. You can't get it. You, know, in you have to go and live that. Yeah. You can't get it in the classroom. And it's a, and unique to them, right? Like their their background is unique to them. It's interesting too because you're saying this. Also reminded me. I just recorded recently with a, another black woman that lived in I want to China. I was gonna say Japan or China. It was in China. She lived there for a year, mm-hmm. and she kind of it was the opposite experience of it was way more ostracizing to be black in Asia in China. Because wow. it, a lot of Asian China, Chinese people had never seen a black person before. Yeah. So people were constantly like coming up to her, taking pictures with her every day. It was like she was like, I didn't even want to go out of my house no. after a while because it was like I was constantly. And the only reason they're stopping me is because like they've never seen a black person before. Like they call me Michelle Obama. Like to them, yeah. I might as well have been. And Obama. You can realize how taxing that is, right? Every yes. day. That's really taxing every day. Either people have never seen. Anybody that looks like you, so they want to be around you 24-7, or people have seen what you look like, but each time you walk out the door, you constantly, I always say, I get exhausted sometimes because I feel like I'm constantly having to reintroduce myself, to reintroduce. Yeah. So each time you walk out the door, it's like, okay, <laughs> you don't walk yeah. out the door just like, oh, I'm Isabel. I'm black. I'm Isabel. Yeah, it, it, it is yeah. taxing, and it's something that you, like, you have to we- literally wear all, all the time, and you know that and there people that are in any type of majority whether it's gender race sexual orientation whatever like if you don't experience that ever and you don't and your whole life is just being because your default is the majority it's such a powerful thing to remember and to be reminded of and so yeah no thank you for sharing that my experience taught me to see people as human i don't judge Mm -hmm. people by what they look like it's such a freeing experience and a freeing way to live my life. So I'm really, yeah. really, really grateful for that because I see it on the other side where some people don't receive me because of what I look like. Like you as a black woman, I don't have the same experience that you have. And so I would never want to sit at a table and be like, oh, yeah, I totally get that. I right. totally get that because I don't I don't live that. I try to hold both because I think it's really important to acknowledge the the reality that people live with and that it is taxing and it can be draining, you know, some of the questions you get and just people yeah. being even unknowingly insensitive at times and things like that, the, those microaggressions that you deal with on a regular basis, you know, mm-hmm. that I think it's important to hold space and have awareness for that. Every human being, every human being, no matter what color you are, no matter what you look like, wants to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. That is just our God-given right, is to be seen and heard. And most people don't understand. So if Katie, I'll give you an example. If you and I apply for a job and we both have an interview tomorrow, you're probably going to wake up and be like, great, okay, I'm ready to go do this interview. I will do the same. The first thing that comes to mind as I'm walking in, I'm black. Not my qualifications. Right? It's the color. And how are you going to be received by whoever's interviewing you for that? So I first have to f- fight that battle. 
Yeah. Am I going to be seen because of the color of my skin? My credentials come next. Everybody else goes into the credentials, flashing their, goes into an interview, flashing their credentials. We go in thinking, okay, I have the credentials, but remember, girl, you're black. And chances are 99% of the people on the other side interviewing you do not look like you. (laughs) Well, that, and there's like that whole idea of like code switching and black people sounding, wanting to sound more white. So yeah. that they're per- they're perceived as more professional and qualified yeah. versus just speaking in their casual, like normal way of speech. And mm-hmm. like those are things that I don't I don't have to think about. This right. is my casual way of speaking. Yeah. You know, I don't have to walk into a room and be like, oh, my God, like, are they going to see me as X, Y and Z because I'm white? Like, that's just not in the U.S. That's like that wouldn't happen. That right. doesn't happen. Right. And so I think it's so important for people to hold space for that like that at reality like that's your daily experience and you you, it's like it's like carrying extra weight you just you get used to it being there you don't even realize it's there but it is there it is there it is there and I I thank really my culture I thank my family because one thing we were never meant to feel inferior so I had a really hard time when I first came here yeah being in a space of being inferior. We were never told to feel superior either. We were just taught taught that you are not inferior <laughs> to anybody. So that was when I moved here for college and I started understanding the dynamics, the landscape of everything that happens in America, the racism and stuff. At first I'm like, this, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. It took me a while and we have a business. So I'm like, nope, not doing this, not saying that. Because I was never raised to feel inferior. And I just felt like, why do I have to feel inferior to another human being? What were your expectations coming to America? I honestly did not have any expectations coming to America. My sister went to school in Paris. Then she moved to London and all of that kind of stuff. I didn't have kind of expression. Oh, what would America be? I think because of my travel, right? Mm-hmm. Was I excited? Yes. But I was 8,000 miles away from home too. And I remember when I was in class, my first class, somebody stood up and said, well, because you have to introduce yourself. And I remember my first year as a freshman and somebody said, I'd like to ask Isabella a question. And they were like, is it true that you guys live in trees? And how did you get here? So my response was, like I said, I was never raised to be in, I'm thinking to myself like, okay. So my response was like, yeah, actually my dad has the biggest tree. And I swam over the Atlantic Ocean to get here. So the professor was like, no, Isabel, you can't answer like that. She really doesn't know. My frustration was coming from this is the U.S. of A. You can research anything and everything. <laughs> like That's a perfect example of a microaggression. Perfect yeah. example. Yes. Textbook example. Yeah. So yeah. demeaning. Like you're from so Africa, demeaning. so you must be yeah. basically like. A monkey or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in a tribe where, and again, like people that live in the villages and all that, that's incredibly unique and really interesting. And I don't have any negative thing to say about it, but it's a stereotype. And like you said, Africa is a vast continent. It's a continent. Also, a lot of people think it's just, it's one country. (laughs) I know. I know. People think it's one country. People think people live with doll, with with like cows in the house and stuff like that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I mean, because it's so large, 
some people I'm sure live like in a lot in the rural areas. I'm sure people live in a really rural lifestyle, like just like they do anywhere else. Just like they do anywhere but, else. In America, you yeah. have places that are rural. You have places that are hood hood. You can't live in them. They're, it's just yeah. like everywhere else, right? Just yeah. on a different, it's a different dynamic. But I, it is, but it goes so it's so deeply ingrained in the historical makeup of our country, <laughs> though, and that's why like the stereotype is so problematic. Yeah, I do have hope, though. We always have to have that glimpse of hope, especially this generation that's coming up. I'm hoping things will change. Yeah, we've come a yeah. long way for sure, but I can't imagine in 2023 someone asking you if you like lived in the trees and swam over here. Like I can't picture that. Oh, trust me. And last year my husband and I were invited to a party. We walk in, it was a cookout. This company invited us. It was at the owner's house. So, we showed up. Walked to the door. Somebody came to the door and asked us, I kid you not, Katie, the first thing that they say to us, oh, are you guys lost? You're like, no. No, we're not like, lost. And it's, again, microaggression. I live in a predominant, well, I used, I grew up in a predominantly white area. Yes. After I moved from like where I lived, that was very diverse. I, I spent my high school years and it was very, very white. And I encounter still to this day, a lot of people that, talk about how like these things don't exist like no one's being outwardly racist to anybody and it's like these microaggressions it might not be like yeah like like kkk level of like trying to kill you but or maim you or whatever but it's still really aggressive and really hurtful and things that you don't forget and things that make you move differently in the world yeah right yeah the things you don't forget i think it's become more systematic Mm -hmm. And it's really always been socioeconomic, right? And it's just that what most people fail to realize is that it affects people's livelihood. I mean, since we're talking about it. So in Ohio, literally, we would go, my husband would go to somebody's house so he can talk to them about their outdoor living space. A couple of times they shut the door in his face and said, make sure you send a picture the next time they bring somebody to our home. I mean, so you have to think about it. We've been in business for two decades, but we're not only just the the things and the hurdles that we have to go through every day. It affects our livelihood. It affects how our kids grow up. It affects where our kids grow up. So if you don't have that tenacity, if you don't have that belief in yourself or just the courage to say, I'm going to keep going, sometimes it's debilitating though. There are days where you feel like I can't even do this anymore, right? Because you know who you are, you know your strengths, you know your skills, you know what you can produce. But those things are second to what you look like. Yeah, that's where the gap is, where a lot of people don't understand. And when I went to college and they, I was in like an urban ed program and they kind of like laid this out for me of like how much, like you were saying, we both go to a job interview, how much more you had to do to get to that job interview versus how much I had to do. We may outwardly look like we're at the same level, but you had to have so much more tenacity and drive and work on yourself than I did to get to the same place. And so- I can go that much higher because That's I didn't right. have to do everything underneath what we didn't see. And that is really another reason why it's like, I don't like I don't like the term colorblind because it's like you had to do a lot more than I would. Yeah. And like that, that needs to be recognized and acknowledged. Yeah. I feel. Mm -hmm. 
It really does. It really does. And people live with this every day. Yeah, that's the reality of the life every day. And sometimes people look at, they'll look at a black person, they'll be like, oh, why are they so angry? Why are they so, so? I mean, sometimes you do get, you do get, because it affects your livelihood. And then sometimes people don't even want to try because they're exhausted. Yeah. Do you see that all the time? Yeah. People are just tired. And yeah. I see this is the, for any any group, whether it's race, gender, whatever. Anything. It's like you just see people that get trapped into their circumstances and they don't have the the capability, the resources, the drive, the tenacity, whatever it is to change their circumstance. And you just don't see all that they're up against. It's very it's it's invisible. Yeah. Sometimes. Invisible. So I think it's really important to talk about it. I do think so. I do. And I appreciate you talking about it, like honestly talking about it, because we're not sitting here just talking about, oh, my God, this is so bad. These are real conversations, right? It's just like how we talk about with what I do with empowering women to use their voice. This is real because women have also been a minority. So it's different people who have experienced different things. And the only way to heal, the only way to move forward with anything or anyone is like, we have to start having these conversations and start talking about it and not even just talking about it to blame other people for people to understand. But the truth is until the perpetrators start talking about it, there's nothing we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. It's not going to change. anything. It's interesting you say that because the next thing I was going to say is I think a lot of people, white people don't want to talk about this because they're afraid to say to mess up and say something wrong. And I mean, listen, I've definitely over the course of my lifetime have Mm -hmm. definitely gotten it wrong. Like, and I'd be like the first to admit that. And like I had a a friend on my podcast a a few months ago that just wrote a book and she does strength-based learning and she's doing all this amazing things. And a lot of what fueled her journey is her experience being biracial and growing up in like, she didn't know the white side of her family. She just knew she just grew up black, but like doesn't is white passing. So it was just this like very unique upbringing that she had and this experience that she had. And I said to her on the show, because I knew her when I was young, I, I said, I just apologize for whatever I said when I was 20, 21, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I probably got it wrong. But, but you didn't know, the re- though. Like, the reality is, and I mean, she was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't like I don't remember anything. <laughs> like, it wasn't like anything extremely problematic. But like, my point is, is that the I think in order to have these kinds of conversations and being in the majority or you have to be willing to be wrong and be willing to be yes. to listen and yeah. and take feedback. And I think a lot of people just aren't haven't done the work on themselves to be really able to do that. And then you also have to realize it's people too, when they even if somebody's feeling a certain way and their family doesn't feel that way, they're not going to speak up because then they're afraid of being chastised by their family, losing mm-hmm. their family. So there's so many dynamics. And I always say that for us, I I believe in life, I always think about it this way. The reason why people of color are suppressed is because the perpetrator understands our power more than we do. So the day we get to understand our power is the day the tide turns. Yes. I just had a similar conversation, but it wasn't about race. It was about religion. 
Mm. And we were talking about kind of like toxic Christianity and just yeah. like going not having your own conversations with God. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like a lot of these like culty like churches that like they're speaking the word of the word of God, like they're really manipulating that to try to maintain control and power over you. And a lot of these systems that have been in place for hundreds or thousands of years were to do just that, to control and overpower people. And really, and like we were saying the same thing about religion, but it really the same thing applies here is that you have to find your own voice and your own, like, what do you believe in? What do you think? And how you can't, you can't be authentically yourself and live this authentic life without knowing who you are. Exactly. And that's with, that's for everybody. Yeah. Right? I don't care who you are. You have to know who you are to the core of your being, right? Absolutely. Why you're here. What is your purpose? What matters to you? What is important to you? That is essential in order to live an authentic life is understanding who you are, good, bad, or indifferent, wherever you are in your life. It's really vital to start embarking on the journey of self-discovery so you can operate in that space, that space of intention, that space of knowing yourself. See, a lot of us, we live this life of anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff, and it gets the best of all of us been there and done that and I'll probably go through it again who knows because it's part of life right it's the journey but most of it comes from us living outside of who we are because we're constantly seeking validation from the outside and we Mm -hmm. don't know our own voice we don't Mm -hmm. use our own voice and we don't speak up for ourselves we don't understand that our voice matters our voice is our gps it's the compass of our life it directs everything about who you are i know the world we talk about the mind all the time mindset mindset that is really true because how you think your thoughts create your reality that is the honest truth so people talk about mindset you have to be mindful right you have to have mindfulness make sure your thoughts are clear don't have positive toxicity i call it don't do that where when you're not feeling good and you're like, oh, I'm just fine because the society is saying, be positive. No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> toxic positivity is not my Yeah, life. yeah, toxic positivity. <laughs> don't do that to yourself. But I say that to say, yes, the mindset very powerful. How we think, our thoughts is how we show up in our life, right? Everybody talks about the mindset. I talk about the heart set. I believe that everything starts from your soul. It starts from your heart. That's why it's important to know who you are. Because as powerful as the mind is, I believe that our minds can never comprehend what our hearts know. Mm. Most of our true decisions are made from the heart. Yes. Yes. And I mean, at the, at our most pivotal peak moments in life where these, these forks in the road, these decisions that we're making Mm -hmm. have to come from the heart. You have to dive into your intuition and and your inner voice. And to be able to do that, you have to be able to hear her. Like you have to allow the space for that to come to the surface and that's why so many people live in deep depression and anxiety they're out of alignment a lot of the time everybody talks about balance but you hit the nail right on the head it's alignment when i deal with my clients i tell them i don't subscribe to work-life balance because i figured balance no it doesn't work in life i can sit here i'm talking to you right now my phone will ring 
something happened, there's a death, boom, the balance is gone. My day is gone, right? Let's talk about instead of work-life balance, how about we switch it to life-work and alignment? Because mm -hmm. first I need to take care of myself. My life comes first, then my work. And I need to align those, right? Integrate those to help me become whole. See, we live in this society, especially in the Western society, performance. What are you doing? How are you performing? This and this. So it's become hard to be human in the world that we live in right now. And I believe to my core why there's a lot of suicides, a lot of people getting ill, a lot of people miserable, disempowered, burnt out, depleted, all those words. It's because they're not allowed to be. If somebody, when somebody wakes up in the morning and they go somewhere or show up, they're always thinking, okay, when you meet somebody, so what do you do? What do you do? So they have to explain what they do. It's constantly about what do you do? It's never about the being. It's never about, about who you are. It's what you, you do. Are. It's always about the performance. What are you going to do for me? What are you doing for them? That's how people rate relationships. That's how people are rated in this new social media or whatever society that we live in now, that it makes it so difficult for people to just be. It makes it so mm -hmm. difficult for people to just be who God created them to be. Even if you have a moment in your life right now where there's so much chaos, right? You don't know if you're coming or going or there's so much happening. It's hard for people to ask for help because being in that state is being shunned in the world that we live in right now. Being in that state is shameful. Being mm -hmm. in a state of depression is, is uncanning. It's, we talk about it. Oh, depression, this is what you do. But when somebody is actually experiencing, we don't give people the permission, the permission to be, the permission to say, I need help, the permission to say, I am breaking down. Can somebody help me? And the reason why this resonated with me really well, going back to my story, when I landed here, when I came to yeah. America and I got pregnant at the age of 19, I found myself in a very peculiar relationship. My own doing, I made those decisions. It was not a great decision, but the best, one of the best things came out of it, which I had my son, right? Pride and joy. But it's through that experience, that's when I started understanding these things. I went through a time where I went through abuse and all that kind of stuff at that age. I was about to become a mother, 8,000 miles away. And become, I was about to become a mother who needed her own mother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only reason why I was able to even take care of my son, thank God, is because culturally where I come from, being raised around all these courageous and resilient women who are so powerful, they're professional women, stay-at-home mom, entrepreneurs, even the ones who had tomatoes on their head and they would sell in the market. In my eyes as a little girl, those women were entrepreneurs. They just never owned a Rockefeller building. So I watched these women just do it and do it and do it. And when I had my child and I was experiencing all this turmoil in my life, the relationship that I was in, I didn't realize it then until later because you're a product of your environment. So what I did, I got into survival mode just like mm -hmm. the women that I saw mm -hmm. growing up. And I started digging deeper and really seeing like, where is this coming from? The reason why I started digging deeper is because I would wake up every day and my soul is heavy. My heart mm -hmm. was heavy. It got exhausting. Like Erica Badu say, 
you're going to hurt your back. Bag lady, mm-hmm. drop that bag, right? Yeah. That was me carrying yeah. all that inside of me. And I used to pray like, God, I know there's something. What is this? And after that time went by, I got married. I was young. We started a business and I just kept on moving with life. And as I'm moving with life, I remember I had so many moments. The business is doing well. The family is doing well. But from the outside looking in, everybody's like, wow, Isabel has a great life. I had a great life and I have a great life because I'm breathing. Any day above ground is a good day. But I would lay in bed many nights at two, three o'clock in the morning, gazing in the ceiling and saying, I know, God, there has to be more to me than just being the wife, the entrepreneur or the mother. And why is it that I feel so heavy inside? But what what broke the camel's back was one day I was in the in my bathroom and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I asked myself, what do you remember? What did you like as a little girl? I couldn't remember. Mm. I couldn't remember. I didn't forgot her. So even if I grew up with this life or not traveled everywhere, I didn't know myself. My life was survival. I was in boarding school from the age of eight. Right. My stepmother raised me. My biological mother didn't. So I was going back and forth and back and forth. So, of course, I had my own issues of abandonment that I was Mm -hmm. experiencing. Family loved loved me. But it's just those experiences that everybody goes through. So I say that to say is so as I'm gazing in the ceiling, man and nice, I'm like, there has to be more to this. And I started to reflect on my life and I'm looking back. I'm like, wow, I am them. I am them, courageous, powerful, tenacity, just would do whatever it takes to make sure everybody's okay. But then when I looked back, I was like, wow, all those women were surviving. They didn't have a voice. They didn't have a personal voice. Mm-hmm. And that's why I remember them being unhappy. They were sad. They had their moments, but they were sad. And I was like, wow, I have become them. And as I continue to reflect, I'm like, where is this coming from? It's coming from the training that we get as women mm-hmm. or little girls to fulfill everybody's needs, but put our needs in the back burner. Yep. The only way we get love or validation is by doing for others. So in yep. this sense, you lose yourself. And in that sense, you start living outside of yourself. I felt like an actor in my own life for a while. I felt like somebody gave me a script. The director gave me a script and I was just acting it out. I didn't feel whole. I didn't feel present. I knew there was more inside of who God created me to be. And that's when I embarked on the journey of self-discovery. I said, I have to figure out who am I? And I go back to say when I had my son at the age at, at the age of 19, and I say that that the world doesn't allow people to be because everybody around me, bless their hearts, would say, you're so strong. And yeah, I was mm. strong. Yeah, I learned that. that, that, that that's an innate in me because I saw that growing up, right? So the strength I have that, of course I was strong, but as life went on and I'm talking to women and I'm looking around, here is the thing. I was very strong, but I was broken. I couldn't ask for help, though, because how do you ask for help when everybody's saying that you're strong? So I lived in my brokenness for years because of shame. 
I lived in my brokenness for years because the world outside of me kept on putting me on this pedestal saying that I'm strong. And that's when I realized, I said, this is crazy. Society measures the strength of a man by how much weight they can carry. But they measure strength of a woman by how much pain she can endure. So if you're suffering, going through divorce, going through all these crazy things, everybody's championing, girl, you got it. You're so strong. You're so strong. That's when I said, no, 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 I'm not subscribing to this anymore because it leaves us mm -hmm. broken. It leaves us hurting. Yes. Yes. And I, and the biggest thing is like, I just want to empower people out there and women. I, I work with women. I'm a woman. That's what I do. So if you're, if you're not a woman and you're listening, hopefully this works, empowers you too. find out who God, whoever you subscribe to created you to be because society's expectations that they have for women it's unattainable yeah it, leaves no, it us, doesn't exist it doesn't exist it leaves us one no. it leaves us broken the goal is to tap into yourself to tap inside of who you were created to be you don't need to subscribe to that strength and those expectations that society has and i'm going to tell your listeners why all the women out there Whoever you subscribe to, for me, it's God, right? You're a woman. You bring life into this world. Even if you don't have children and you've never had children, it's the same thing. Because I know you've nurtured somebody somewhere, somehow, right? We don't need to live up to these outside expectations. We already have that innate strength inside of us. The problem is we don't know that strength. The problem is we don't know that voice inside of us. It's very foreign to us. That's where, for me, God speaks the loudest. That's where, for me, that is my truth. For me, that's where I can create my boundaries. For me, that's where I heal. That's where I take care of myself. It's that still voice inside of me but we don't take the time to be still enough to hear it. We call it that gut feeling. Oh yeah, I had the gut feeling, but we ignore the gut feeling. That gut feeling is the truth of, of you telling you, no, don't do it. This is not for you. Walk away. It doesn't matter who it is. When you start listening to that voice and when you start trusting that voice, your life begins to change. And you know why, Katie? Because when you listen to that voice and start trusting that voice, you start to love yourself. You stop betraying yourself. We get so mad and angry about everybody around us. I'm doing all this for everybody else. I'm pointing fingers. The reason why we stay so frustrated and angry is not because of other people. It is because of how we treat ourselves. So when you're supposed to say no and you say yes and you feel it and you call it that gut feeling, no, sweetheart, it is your gut feeling. But that feeling is telling you, don't betray yourself. Yes. It's the most powerful work you can ever do. The par most powerful work I ever did. Yeah. Was it's work. Really, and it was took me a while to define or to, I guess... People tried to define it for me what betraying myself looked like, but it took me a while. Yeah, I know you have to define what... it for yourself. That transformation yeah. has to 
you have to invoke that transformation for yourself because the only way you can start betraying yourself is when you know your wants, your needs, your values, and your desires. Then from that space, you're like, okay, this is not for me and this is not for me. Somebody from the outside, I don't care whether it's your mom, your father, your spouse, however good they are close to you, they can never tell you what you're doing to betray yourself. You have to do that work so you can Mm -hmm. discover who you are because what you value, I may not value, right? right? What's important to you may not be important to me. So I can't impose that and tell you that you have to evoke that on yourself. For yourself. Right. And that's when you come into alignment. Yes. So that's really, it's, it's really ground breaking big work. So when you were laying in bed and you realized this, and this is where this journey started for you, what were the first initial steps that you took? Oh God. I cried. <laughs> Super important to grieve. I am, I remember when I was doing, going through that part of my journey too. And I was like, I don't think I've cried more in my whole life than I have in these we do, right? several months. Like I it was so weepy and I was like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. But okay. it was, I think about it, think back at it now and it was so cathartic. It was like, I was, was. grieving that the, mm-hmm. how I had forgotten about the little girl inside me and how I had yes, betrayed her. Girl. Yes. It's the little girl inside of you. The girl mm-hmm. that didn't remember what she liked. Yeah. yeah. So I grieved, of course, as we were talking about, and they say in order to grow, you have the old self has to die. But before that old self had to die, I just had to grieve and just let it out and say higher power. Because for me, I believe that I have to believe in something bigger than myself. So it allows me to hang on, to hold on when I'm weak, right? When I'm weak, that thing that's bigger than me for me, which is God, that grace carries me. And I, I am who I am today. I believe to my core. I'm good at what I do, but it's truly only the grace of God. It's the grace of God that I'm sitting here talking to you today. When I look back at my life experiences, that I am able to sit here and have a conversation with you. So I always bring God in because God is the one that's helped me get here. But yeah, so I had to start healing the inner child. As, as you talked about, I had to go back and parent her because what was happening was she was in the driver's seat of my life. Yeah. She can't see over the dashboard. She can't That was me see. also. <laughs> my therapist used to ask me, so who's driving the bus today? <laughs> I said, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I started healing the inner childhood. And what does that look like? For me, it's a lot of, it was a lot of stillness, journaling reflecting. I had good days and I had bad days. I had days when I felt good. I had days when the trauma really kicked in. And sometimes it's a journey, right? This is a journey that I'm going to be on for the rest of my life. The reason why I'm able to coach people is not because I'm better than anybody else. No, it's because I've been through the experience. I've figured out the tools. I've learned the tools from other people. I've been taught the tools. I've been certified myself with discovering while I'm excavating all this stuff that has been holding me down and peeling one layer after another. So it's through that journey that I discovered the things that worked for me that helped me become more centered. I always say, come home to myself. We always want to come home to ourselves. And when I started doing that work, that's when Loud Whisper happened, which is my my business that I do coaching for women, empowering women to use their voice. Loud Whisper happened because I felt like women are always screaming for help on the inside. 
but nobody hears them because it comes out as a whisper. So my job, my passion, my purpose in life is to empower as many women as I can to use their voice Mm -hmm. so they can really know who they are, so they can live this authentic life, right? To get their soul aligned and tap into that so you can know who you are. We felt when we live this life on this hamster wheel that we're on and seeking validation, we don't know ourselves. So you're missing so much of yourself because you're living outside of yourself. I always say that we're trying to perfect a human being that does not exist. The human being that we're trying to perfect is somebody that everybody else told us that we should be. And that's why it keeps us on this wheel of constantly seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking because this person does not exist. The person that you're seeking is already inside of you. You just have to take the time stillness there's so much power in stillness there's so much power in silence you could start by two minutes every day give yourself two minutes and breathing i had to learn how to breathe a lot of us don't breathe when you ask somebody a question that oh and they stop right there right that blocks your throat chakra it blocks it you have to take deep breaths every day every day Just take deep breaths because a lot of us are not breathing. And when we don't breathe, we keep suppressing and suppressing and suppressing all these things that we have inside of us that we want to speak out or that we need to breathe so they can come through us. So it's stuck right here. And people will be like, yeah, it's in my chest. When that, those feelings and emotions are suppressed, They don't have anywhere to go, but in your body, they circulate in your body. That's where illness comes from. That's when your body starts giving up on yourself. That's where exhaustion, burnout, you feel depleted. That's where it's coming from because you're not allowing yourself to breathe, taking deep breaths. You're not even allowing yourself to speak. What is that quote? They say, speak even when your voice shakes, Mm. you know? But us women, we're taught totally different. It's we are. Different. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, just... There's so much shame. There's like, there what? is shame about being, about living authentically. Like that's the work to overcome your shame. I mean, yeah. shame is so powerful. Shame is so powerful. We have the imposter syndrome because I've had it. I still have it sometimes, right? Big. We have the imposter syndrome. My girlfriend started a new job. She's going to kill me for this. She started a new job the other day. Okay. So this new job is totally different. She used to be in retail. Now she has this new job. She's going to be working from home. She's on the computer. And I'm talking to her the other day. And she says, oh, my gosh, Isabel, I did my first day. Gosh, it was so tough. I'm sitting there looking like, am I able to do this? Like, will I be able to learn this stuff? Mm. Now, Katie, remind you, let me tell you about this girl. (laughs) this friend of mine, she moved here from back home. When she was home, she owned a school. Wow. And diplomats, people with money, because she likes to deal with young kids. So she was like a kindergarten and preschool, something like that. So people with money would take the kids to her. She even wrote a book for kids and dropped the kids off there. It was her school. She hired people, started the school, And I told her, I said, wow, that's powerful. She said, why do you say that? I said, there we go again as women. 
I said, girl, you owned a school. <laughs> it's an accomplishment. It's a huge how, accomplishment. How powerful is that? Sitting behind a computer is nothing to you, right? But as women, we're, we, we're ashamed of ourselves. We're ashamed of who we are. Somebody will tell you, my passion is to create flowers. I just want to create flowers and sell them or whatever. But they won't say that in front of people because they feel maybe they're not educated enough. Oh, they won't be good enough. Oh, it's a stupid idea because who cares about that? What they fail to realize somebody out there needs those flowers. But as women, we've been trained that we fail to realize you're a stay home mom. Guess what? The skills that you have acquired as a stay home mom, you can kick ASS at any job. Oh, God. VA. If you so want to start true. a business, you can easily be a VA. Come on, let's let's talk about it. You talk to the schools, you talk to the doctors, you make all the appointments, you make sure everybody's taken care of. That's what a VA does. You respond to emails, you make phone calls, but no, we underestimate ourselves and be like, no, it's just a stay-at-home mom, the hottest job on earth. You know, hardest job, work the most hours. Work the most hours. The compensation is not there. You know, it's just yeah, underpaid, uh, undervalued. Yeah. You don't want to take yeah. this job because it's a lot of statistics. It's a lot of this, but you are the same person who knows every size of everybody in your household. If they grow an inch, you know what size to get. So it's all these things that we have been conditioned to believe about ourselves that are not true. But the truth is, until you take the time to say. I need to make a change in my life and I need to heal to find myself so that I can authentically, whatever that looks like to you, authentically be myself from a C-suite person to a CEO to a janitor, whatever you do, as long as it makes you happy. But you have to start being authentic with yourself. If not, you're going to live a life of survival. And when you mm -hmm. survive, you have to cut your emotions. So that means you're not in the present moment ever. You're not allowing yourself to feel. Mm -hmm. So you're living this life. You're just going and going yes. and going and going. Yes. I had to reteach myself how to feel. Yeah. Like my coach would just in like every time I would bring something to my coach, she would just invite me to like lean in mm -hmm. to the feeling. Yeah. And I would be in such resistance to that. It took months yes. for me to really practice daily leaning in to the emotions. And mm -hmm. I really had, and I think this is true for a lot of people. I think we have fear that if we lean in, our emotions and our feelings will overtake us. Yeah. And like the shame, if I, if I lean into shame, it's going to overpower me. If you leaned into that grief when you woke up at, and they were sitting in bed in the middle of the night and there are a lot of people that are would have been in the same situation as you and wouldn't have allowed themselves to lean into that grief because they would have been afraid that it would overpower them. But instead, mm -hmm. you leaned into it and were able to embark on this journey to live authentically, to become yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I had to because what? discontent is the seed of change. I couldn't mm -hmm. take it anymore. I could not take it. I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. something has to change, right? There, there has to be more to life. There has to be more to me. And yes. what I came to find out is, like you mentioned earlier, Katie, the little girl inside of me needed parenting. Little yeah. girl inside of me. So now she no longer, she's no longer in the driver's seat. I'm in the driver's seat. 
this is a journey till the day that I die. Yep. Yeah, just the, the healing, the growing, it's a journey till the day that I die. What this has really taught me is I don't resist life anymore because I notice when I do, it causes a lot of suffering. I just mm -hmm. let life flow. So even when things are happening that one, I don't understand or that are hurtful, or it's grief or losing someone, I allow myself to be in it. I allow myself to be in it. Yes. I give myself grace and be in it because this needs to move through me. Yeah, exactly. It's not the ad it's not the absence of adversity. Life is going to happen. Things are going to happen. But you are so authentically you that it can move through you. You are you have you at the end of the day and you can be that stability where the adversity, the challenges, the yes. emotions, the all the things can flow through you yeah. because you're in alignment. Mm -hmm. Because you're in alignment and life is the duality, right? Dark light. We're always going yeah. to have that, but it's really about, it's really the alignment, aligning yourself with your values, your needs, your desires, right? Aligning your work with your life, not your life with your work. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like life comes first. <laughs> yes. You, you come first. Your humanness comes first. Your yes vulnerability comes first all of these things that we as women were conditioned to put on the back burner like you said but i think i think men can speak to this in a different way i think a lot of men that i've spoken to i do have some male listeners some loyal listeners that are like hey, don't forget about me but i think <laughs> the way that it looks for men is different for women we're we're all, like you said i've always kind of been the nurturers put our needs on the back burner mm -hmm. and forget your authentic mm -hmm. self. I think men do also forget their authentic selves oh, under yeah. the guise of you need to provide, you need to go out and you need to show, what do you show for the amount of success? You need to show your strength. You need right. to be that competitive spirit. And well, I why think you in through that, you me like this person is not human. He has feelings just like me. He has emotions. What do you mean? don't cry. So they do go through. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they go through this, this forgetting of their, their, they don't, they disconnect with their emotions. They disconnect <laughs> with their authentic selves. And this is something in men, women, all over the world, every race, background, mm -hmm. ethnicity, we Especially are all detaching right from our authentic selves. All of us yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now everybody, that's why I said, not just for women, it's just becoming harder to just be nowadays mm -hmm. just for human beings it's becoming harder when you look at social media you're comparing when you look at this my biggest thing is that i just really pray that we can get to a space where we actually see people instead yes. of see people for what they do and see them for who they are this what yes. people do thing is getting out of control because there's more to people than their performance at work <laughs> or what they so do. So how would you and, answer that question? If well, someone asked you, well, who are you? First of all, of course, I tell them my name. I'm an empath. I love to swim. I love to run. <laughs> you know what I mean? I enjoy doing podcasts. I enjoy what I do, like with the coaching, but myself, yes. I'm an empath. I like to swim. I love love. I love hard. I'm a runner. I've done marathons. I like to travel. You know, that, that's that's who I am. When I was, oh God, I was 14, I think. My parents, my parents were really into the world of personal growth when I was very young. I was very yeah. blessed in this way. And there was this program that they did and that I 
did also when I was in high school. And there was this exercise where you declare your contract. And Mm -hmm. basically, like, there was there's this process that you go through where you there's a group of people asking you who you are and you're Mm -hmm. and you have to like really on the spot kind of dig deep and who who am I and you and Mm -hmm. then like you get to this point where you declare it and I have it still on my nightstand at my childhood house is Mm -hmm. I am a deserving beautiful inspiring empowering leader and I think about that every now and again you know that a lot of my work in healing was that I need, that I was deserving enough, that I was deserving of love, that I was enough for somebody. Like that was Mm -hmm. a lot of my healing work. And so that was right in my contract. Now that I look back on it and I laughed, I was 14 when I did this. It was before any of that had happened. And now like all of a lot, most of all my work is about empowering, inspiring, Mm -hmm. collaborating and leading and working with people. And so I really have, in coming back to my authentic self and this work that I've done, I came back to this contract that I set for myself when I was 14, that inner child, that 14 year old Katie declared who she was. And I forgot her just like your experience through all through for so many different reasons, so many different experiences. And we all have our story, right? Yeah. 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 That take us away from our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful. And, and and for me, I love seeing those like literal reminders or proof mm. of that this shit works. It's like, I didn't awesome. know, you know what I was going to go through when I was 14, <laughs> but sure as shit, something inside me knew that I needed to heal that. Right. To get yeah, to exactly. that and embody that. And embodied. And that's, that's it too, being able to embody, right? And I did a talk a few weeks ago and the room was full of women who are CEOs. And I asked the question, and here's the thing about what I do. As huge and as powerful it is, it's simple too. So it's things like stillness that make a change in somebody's life. It's things like asking yourself, who am I? And discovering that. So sometimes when you tell people this, they're like, oh, that's it. They want that big, huge definition (laughs) of what it is. But anyway, as I was doing the talk, one of the things was I asked them, each one of them. So what I did was I had them face one another, right? And number one asked number two, number two asked number one who am I? Do you know that 99%, really all the women, nobody could answer the question at that point. Everybody was telling the other person what they do. Mm. That hurt my heart. Because what that showed me was the world that we live in, if what to do had to be stripped away from you, you become nothing. Yeah. You have nothing to show for it. Nothing. What? Not even to show for. You You just, yeah. Because that's you're only identifying yourself with how yeah. you're performing. And your performance, your career, those things are lovely, but they cannot, and they cannot enable you to let life flow through you. No. That's not who you are at your core. And I, I'm very career driven. I think I know that, you know, my career will be a part of my legacy, but also I am a human first. I am, I have all these parts of me. I have all these things that I, that I'm able to have a successful career because I embody those things. And there's, there's such a disconnect, like you're saying in our society, it's not what 
you do. It's who you are. And that's not the way that our society even is structured. Like you have to really consciously live that way. You, can't, you do. Like it's not, there, there's nothing automatic about it. And I, you know, for a lot of people, they think like once you find your authentic self, it's so easy. Like, oh, everything, when everything's in alignment, like everything flows. It's like, actually, no, if you've ever actually been on your healing journey, shit gets, shit gets crazy there for a while and life keeps happening. And it's interesting during that journey, that's when you're like, okay, this is not working because something is against me. Everything possible will come just crashing on you. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when you're, when I sit and think about it, it's the way to really like embark on a new journey. So all those things that are coming, those are things that you're supposed to be working on. Those are things you're supposed to be asking yourself these questions in, in order for you to heal. But it's, it's a lot of work and it's hard. And like you said, in this society, what I've come to the conclusion is just like me. And you said, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for two decades. So when it comes to business, I can talk about business all day, every day. I love it. It is my passion and I'm going to ride with it till the end. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'd lost myself in that. I had to make something an alignment Mm -hmm. so I can have, I can live my life on a higher consciousness. And what I mean by higher consciousness is that when you're, first of all, you trust yourself. A lot of us don't trust ourselves. Yes. We don't trust that voice inside of us. And living in alignment is about trusting yourself, being intentional about your life. Mm-hmm. And that requires you to have boundaries. That requires you to really go on a self-healing, self-development, self-realization journey. What I've noticed with me, the more I heal, when it comes to business and things from the outside, things flow. Because at the end of the day, it starts and ends with me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that when you're in alignment, your businesses do like it like everything like everything starts to do better right like the results start to happen but you know people just see the results part of it and that's what that's why a lot of people get into personal growth work you know obviously the results that's why I did that's why I hired my coach she was like she promised me that I would you know get over my heartbreak and my traumatic relationship and find someone better I was like okay and she said you'll do it within a year and I was like fuck yeah okay I'm gonna do it you're gonna you're going to take me to this. I'm going to do this in a year. And when I got into it, it was like not at all what I expected. And I got what I got out of it was not what I went into it for. Yeah, isn't but that interesting, right? It's so interesting. But but I ended up getting the result in the and in that amount of time. But the result was like secondary to the ability of me being able to come into alignment and, yeah. you know, become my authentic self. Like that was that trumped even getting that result. And it's such a profound thing to go through. Like the result matters, what you do matters and it feels good, but like it's, oh God, if you've never experienced the euphoria of like feeling in alignment and really being authentic and hearing your voice and being able to use your voice, it's just, it's so, so, so moving and so powerful. And 
things that once really mattered to you just do not matter as much. That's how alignment comes in, right? So we spend ourselves, you can't be everything to everyone, number one. And that's one thing women and everybody needs to understand that you cannot be everything to everyone. You can't say yes to everything. At some point you have to, you have to create space for you to grow. And what does that look like? Mm -hmm. It may look like sometimes getting out of the environment that you're in, not dealing with the people that you normally deal with because you have to create that space like so you can have the ability and the opportunity to heal and nurture yourself and and grow I love it it's so inspiring this was just such a empowering conversation and I'm so lucky and blessed to be able to share the stories of like yours and so many other women who have done this work and Truly, all of you listening, I I get messages every day that something moved somebody that was it was cathartic to hear it. They needed to hear it. Bitch, you need to hear this. Bitch, you need to hear this. <laughs> you it, it, the key is because getting into alignment. And like I try to have a takeaway every episode, and I just feel like there were so many takeaways from this episode. <laughs> and your story is just so inspiring and memorable and I'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing to get your story out there to use your story to empower your clients and the women that you work with and I just I'm excited to be able to continue to follow your journey and now that you know you're connected you're always part of the bitch need to hear this community now and um, I just I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your experience with this platform it just really means a lot so thank you so much you're so welcome. It's the only way I can be right now. I have to speak yes. the truth. Um, I have to use my voice. I can give other people permission to use the voice. I can no longer be ashamed of my abuse. I can no longer be ashamed of my trials and tribulation, my abandonment or how I'm feeling. These things are real. When people mm-hmm. are experiencing these things, but nobody wants to talk about it because it's shameful, right? And yeah, so I just ask God for the courage and the strength every day to be, to continue being myself and to continue on my own healing journey so that I can help other people heal. And like for me this year is with my loud whisper. Of course, I do a lot of coaching. I do, I do speaking. And this year, what landed on my spirit is healing. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of healing that needs to be done. A lot of people are hurting. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'm going to invite you to my podcast, The Healing Space. I love that. So primarily what I do in that podcast, people are hurting and they need to hear other people's stories and not only stories, they need to be told different tools. Mm -hmm. People need to share what they've been through. It allows people and gives permission, gives people the permission to start the journey of um, healing and taking care of themselves and really getting to know who they are. It is not selfish to take care of yourself. It is self-full. Yes. Fill that tank up first. And this is not even just a cliche. It's it's a it's the fact. It's a fact. Before I used to scream on the mountaintop, I love my family. Even my friends are like, you're too much about your family. Everything is about your family. <laughs> I love, love, love my family to death. But if I can be very honest, where after I started my healing journey and through my healing journey, the love that I feel, not that I didn't love them before, but now the intention, it comes from Mm -hmm. a different space and give yourself that, give yourself the power 
to be who you were created to be. Every human being was brought on this earth with a gift. Every human being. From the people who have all the money to the people who don't have all the money. If you notice sometimes in life, somebody in the street will say something to you and be like, oh, I needed that. Mm, right? Yes. Every human being on this earth has a gift. The problem that we are dealing with in society right now is a lot of us are living outside of ourselves and we don't know who we are. So we can't even tap into the gift to refine the gift so we can become who we were created to be, who, who we were intended to be. So if you're listening to this right now and you feel lost, you feel unworthy, you feel disempowered or you're burnt out, or you just don't feel right, period, or you feel like your world is falling apart, you've experienced grief, loss, or you just don't know what to do, I am here to tell you there's light, not at the end of the tunnel, there's light as you go through the tunnel. You just have to find time to honor yourself and live with integrity with yourself and find time for stillness so you can hear your heartbeat. You can hear yourself breathe. You can hear that voice. And the more you find the stillness, that voice becomes louder because you're getting away from the noise. When that voice becomes louder, you start now slowly oh okay this is who i am oh i like this oh so slowly you start knowing yourself you start discovering yourself i when i was going through my journey i started to buy myself flowers so i would go to the store like he admires and i never used to do that so i would buy myself flowers i'm like try something different to get to know yourself And I'm like, I really like this. I don't have to wait for somebody to get me flowers. So when I go to the grocery store, I get my flowers. I put them on my table. Just that in itself, as small as it was, I felt so good. And those are the little things that allowed me to start seeing myself, hearing myself, and loving myself. And when you love yourself, you get to show people how to love you. You get to do that. You get to choose. You get to choose who you want to be around. You get to choose how people treat you. You get to choose if somebody's not doing right by you. This is not for me. And you get to walk away. So essentially, when you do the work, you gain your power back. Yes. Yes. It's so powerful and so inspirational. And I just, I love this, you guys. I'm going to put all of Isabel's contact info, link to her podcast if you want to work with her. She's like, so, I mean, I'm sure your clients fucking love you. You have such a like calming demeanor. Like I'm like, damn, I could take a page out of that book. I'm out here like crazy. When music comes on, there's no calming demeanor. That's, that's my it. That's my crypto. Yeah. No, I fucking love it. Like that's your shit. That's where the magic happens. Really like breakthroughs with people. So no, it's amazing. I'm going to link all of her contact information so you can check out more of her work if you're interested in working with her you can easily find her right in the show notes wherever you're listening to this it will be there and again like just thank you so much for sharing your story i can't wait to come on your show we're gonna have so much fun once we get get into my story that's a whole other thing (laughs) we're going to connect and you're gonna come to my show but i just want to take this opportunity katie to say thank you so much for bringing me on your platform 
for sharing my story, a little bit of my story of what they heard and just being able to have this conversation with you and sharing what we know. So hopefully today on this day on April 12th, I always say we don't need to change the whole world. All we need to do is change one person and that one person changes somebody else and it becomes a ripple effect. So I hope today at this moment, this resonated with somebody and I hope mm -hmm. that it gives them the courage and the tenacity and the power to get up. Just get up. Mm -hmm. wow. yes. You got this. One foot in front of the other, my loves. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. This healing mm -hmm. work is really hard. And yes. I have so much respect and compassion for all of you that are doing this journey with us because yes. we know having walked that walk, it's really hard. So one foot in front of the other, if this affects one person, it was worth it. Yes. And I am inspired and I feel empowered. So you made my day. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. And I'm just, again, just so filled up. I love this platform. I love the women that come and share their stories. And like Isabel said, I hope it gives you permission to start your healing journey and to become, to start your journey to becoming your most authentic self. Yes. That's what this show is all yeah, about. That's up, what. Get up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the work we're doing. So again, ladies, this has been an amazing week of <laughs> Bitch, You Need to Hear This. I will be back next week with a lovely lady and her lovely story. Until then, I will see you next week. Bitch, you need to hear this.